Storm Bowling Products. The Bowlers Company presents the Storm Collegiate Spotlight with Steve Klimkin and Tim Berg. Storm's Executive Director of Marketing and Above180.com's Tim Berg are going to introduce a variety of collegiate players, coaches, and key people involved in promoting the sport of bowling. Now, here's Coach K and Tim Berg. Joining us on the Storm Collegiate Spotlight podcast is Kenneth DeGraff. Kenneth is a head women's coach at Mount St. Mary's University. Kenneth, it's Tim Berg and Coach K. Steve Klemkin here. Thank you for joining us today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. All right. Well, we are smack dab in the middle of summer, but I thought we'd begin the podcast by talking about what 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 are your responsibilities during the summer? Because just because you don't have a team there and you guys aren't preparing for any upcoming events, your work is not done, obviously. So can you walk the listeners through how things go and progress for you during the summer as you prepare for the upcoming fall and the upcoming season? Yeah, in the summer, it's recruiting, 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 just so much of it, um, trying to get those uh, fall campus visits arranged, uh, going to events like Junior Gold this past week and making those contacts. Uh, so recruiting is probably the thing I do the most during the summer. Uh, but obviously we're trying to do all the scheduling uh, for next season as well, uh, contacting other coaches, uh, seeing what tournaments are being held, and just trying to get all those uh, travel arrangements made. So when everyone gets back in the fall, all that dirty work is done, and now we could worry more about the bowling side. So the summer is a lot of administrative work and also a lot of recruiting for us coaches. Well, tell us, you did mention junior gold, and that did end not too long ago. Uh, why don't you just tell us a little bit about uh, maybe the skill level, the, you know, what, what, what are we looking at? Are you, were you pretty excited to see what you saw there? Um, tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, every year going to Junior Gold, you know, we didn't get it last year due to COVID, but every year uh, going is is always a great event, Um, being able to see some of the talent that's out there. And there's other events like Teen Masters and whatnot, but obviously when you're talking about Junior Gold, you're talking about uh, the way I put it is it's like the Masters for golf, but the Masters for youth bowling. I mean, it's it's the best of the best out there. It's uh, absolutely... Uh, there's no event more challenging as a youth bowler than junior goal. I mean, the shots they are putting out are extremely difficult. Uh, and as a coach, it's just, you know, it's fun to sit back and, and watch them, see how they progress through transitions, uh, not just with their physical game, but their mental game as well, because it is a uh, absolute uh, challenge to get through those four days with a positive mental game. Uh, so as a coach, when we see that, uh, if, if you're on day four and um, you, your, your mental game is still positive and you're still going through your progression to so you tell us you're not affected uh, mentally, uh, that's always big for us to see as well. So there's so much talent. Every year I feel like junior goal gets more and more uh, heavy with the talent pool. Um, it's great for college bowling. I think the future of our sport is so bright, and uh, junior goal is evidence of that every year. So it's great to have that event back uh, for this year when we didn't get it last year. So regarding an event, and it could be, like you said, either Teen Masters or a Junior Gold or somewhere else where you're at a high school event doing some recording, uh, recruiting rather, What's um, I want one thing from you that will maybe draw you to give a second eye to someone who you're interested in, and then what's something that will maybe, 
I don't want to say get the get a person off of your list as someone you're interested in, but something that maybe a bowler does that's a I guess maybe a positive and a negative thing that you see them do over a competition period over a length of a tournament like this. You know, I guess I could divide that in the physical and mental for both of those uh, questions as well. I mean, physically with your game, you know, we just want to see that. I mean, any it's cliche, but like any college coach is going to tell you, and any professional bowler is going to tell you the key to junior gold is spares and the same goes for college bowling. So like, I want to see what your spare game is. I want to see what that's like. And I also want to see your reaction to if you do miss one, do you let that snowball or not? Um, so if I watch a bowler, look, there's, there's so much talent out there and a lot of people could strike. A lot of people could strike. Not everyone could spare. And so that's what I'm looking for as a coach is who could clean frames uh, when they leave the makeables. Uh, that really catches my eye. Uh, in terms of something that would, would, you know, turn a coach away, um, you know, I, I guess you could say a little bit of that on the flip side. You know, if you see a bowler that uh, not only is, is missing spares, but maybe reacting poorly to it, you know, it's it's funny because we talk about uh, parents a lot, right? Um, I, I watch those interactions between players and, and, and parents and kind of see what that is. When we recruit you to – a college we're not just recruiting you it's a, it's a family investment into our our program uh so I like to like for me there's nothing more rewarding than seeing an athlete and a parent have a very uh, healthy relationship on the lanes and because uh, you want that at, at college tournaments as well bowling is a very unique sport because in basketball the, the parents are in the bleachers and they really can't get right down to the action but at these bowling alleys i mean there's really mm. not that clear boundary and if you have you know to my parents listening out there, we just want to see you be supportive of, of, of the kid. We want to see you be supportive, but also knowing that when you get to the college level, you know, understanding that it could be a conflict of interest to have uh, a college coach trying to work the progressions with, uh, with the athlete, but also the parent trying to do that at the same time. Now, you know, both sides are probably very knowledgeable, but when you have a kid getting two different transitions, uh, moves in their head, uh, it puts them in a tough spot as well. They want to listen to mom and dad, but they, they got to listen to their college coach as well. Um, so just kind of seeing how they interact. You know, if they're if they're not interacting well with their own parents, they're probably not going to interact the best with their coaches either. Um, and on the flip side, I, I we recruit a family, so I want to see parents that are very supporting of their of their children as well out there. So it sounds like you're kind of. I mean, as far as mental game goes, there is some kind of a you know, something about that in terms of like a sports psychology thing, but it sounds like too, you're really just kind of looking into and maybe some kind of indicators uh, of what you think someone's maybe character is. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Character is huge. Like I said, junior gold every year, the pool gets deeper and deeper and deeper. Uh, There's so much talent out there to be spread around. That's why you see such, I mean, I would say five, six years ago, it it was just, all the top talent for the same three or four schools, but that talent's so spread out now that the top schools can't, you know, the top schools of old can't take them all. Now there's more, hence there's more top schools now spread out. It's, it's helped us emerge as a, as a newer program to be successful so quickly with how deep the talent pool is. So look, talent's good to be out there, but now how do you, you know, separate yourself from the rest, you know, get that spare game going, but show, you, show us as coaches that you are coachable. Um, show us that you respond well, uh, in the face of adversity. Um, because for example, you see, uh, if someone misses an easy spare and then they 
hit something or kick something as a coach, that's an automatic cross off the list. You know, we, we don't, we don't take that at the mount anyway. So we absolutely look for character. Uh, we have what we call the mount mindset on our institution, uh, which stands for mature, open-minded understanding, no excuses and, and uh, togetherness. And if I don't feel like you're someone that could adhere to that mount mindset at Mount St. Mary's, then it's automatic cross off the list. Uh, there's too much talent to take someone that, uh, won't be that coachable athlete that we need them to be uh, for the better of the team. And then you, it's funny because you had mentioned you're making your recruiting visits and you're you're starting to look at at athletes that you're you're thinking of bringing in now. Are, how early are you go? Are you going? Are you looking at sophomores in high school, juniors in high school? Is it um, people that are entering their senior year, or does uh, yes, all of the above? I would say yes, all of the above. You know, each organization, NCAA, NAIA, uh, we all have our own recruiting rules. Even within the NCAA, Division One, Two, II, and Three have their own recruiting rules. So we're an NCAA Division One program at Mount St. Mary's, and those rules also change every year. So as a coach, you have to be very knowledgeable on what those rules are. Um, there's only so much we could do when a student athlete is not yet to their junior year of, of high school. Um, so for anyone that's before a junior, we can kind of keep an eye out on them. Uh, but the communication is pretty limited in terms of what an NCAA Division One school could do. Now, yes, once they become juniors, that's usually when we try to get that uh, communication going. They can make some unofficial visits uh, to our school. The difference between unofficial and official visit is an official visit, which you can start taking your senior year, the school could help pay for some of those expenses. So the school could pay for uh, the student-athletes' flight if they're coming in or help reimburse gas mileage uh, cover meals while you're on campus, cover hotels for uh, parents. So like those are things that we could do on an official visit. And if you're a student athlete uh, on, on the ladies' side for NCAA, you only have up to five official visits max. And so a lot of those student athletes, we use unofficial visits first at their own expense, maybe during their junior year, have a list of 10 schools. And through those unofficial visits, they narrow it down to their top five if they choose to use all five for their senior year. Uh, so for us right now, we're starting to make those contacts with uh, the rising juniors, getting ready to prepare who we want to reach out to and let them know that we're interested for when that time comes. Those are our class of 2023s. For anyone that's not a junior, we're just kind of internally keeping an eye on We really can't do too much communication right now. But what we're really doing right now uh, is getting those seniors ready for their official visits. Uh, because we try, the NCAA signing period begins in November, and we really try to get uh, those seniors, rising seniors, signed in November. Uh, so that way, the, you know, during the second semester, and we have our big events, nationals and whatnot, our focus is completely there. And then they go, they know going into the second semester where they're already going to school when they're done with high school, and they can start building relationships with their fellow teammates that will be joining them uh, in that class the next year. So right now, we're definitely getting some official visits planned getting them on campus, uh, trying to get people signed by November, uh, and then the cycle continues going into the next summer. With the, with the NCAA coming out not too long ago and saying that uh, student athletes can now be paid with the name, name image like this, you know, the NIL thing they've been talking about, where does college bowling fit into that mix for you guys? Has that been discussions internally at the school, and how are you guys planning on handling that moving forward? Yeah, I think every school is talking about it. I mean, it's there's so much unknown. Like, I know a month from now, if you ask me that same question, I'm going to learn so much more than I know now. Uh, so it's so new. 
Um, obviously, when that rule is made, I, I think the bigger implications are going to be on basketball and football and sports that are bringing in money for the university. Um, I think those are the ones you're going to see really benefit from that. But I don't, you know, I don't think it's unreasonable to say that there is going to be something that's going to happen bowling wise. Maybe not so much when you talk about, you know, big name, you know, I don't know, like, I don't think, I don't know if Buicks or or Chevy commercials coming for a college bowler anytime soon, but maybe one of these bowling companies, you know, maybe, maybe a storm or, or, or something wants to, uh, you know, sponsor a college bowler. Like that's, those are things that could happen now that weren't open before. So it's going to be interesting to see how that happens. You know, I really don't have the answer to that right now. I think it's going to be a learn as we go uh, type situation. I mean, I think it's exciting, uh, especially for, for those student athletes. But like I said, a month from now, you asked me that same question, I might have a different answer. Uh, we haven't had anyone affected by it yet on our team. I don't know if other colleges could say the same. Um, but when it arises, it'll be interesting to see kind of how that happens and what, uh, you know, what avenues that give student athletes that they didn't have before. Yeah, times will definitely be changing. Uh, that's no doubt Absolutely. about that. It's like we see things change every year and, you know, going into COVID mm-hmm. last year, nobody saw that coming. And we were all kind of dealing with new things all throughout the whole season. What's this What's this upcoming season looking like for you? Do you have a lot of development of the existing team members that are carrying on uh or do you have some some new blood that's coming in that you're really excited about or a little bit of both or yeah we just finished our third season so we never really got transfers on our team so these are you know our first year as a program we had all freshmen we got to number 19 in the country after year one and then year two we had all freshmen and sophomores we got to number 12 in the country and we just finished year three and once again we didn't have any seniors because we had you know freshmen, sophomores, and juniors, the juniors being the ones that started this thing back in 2018-19. So now for the first time in year four, we will have seniors for the first time ever in our program's history. Uh, Fresh off making our first ever nationals for both NCAA and USBC. Uh, So we talked about recruiting earlier, so recruiting is definitely busy for me now because I have eight seniors on my team. Uh, That's a pretty big class. Uh, So as we go into this, as we go into this next year, uh, we're putting together a challenging schedule, um, but we only have one new player um, coming to us out of out of New York, uh, Rachel Hines, and she'll be a great addition to us. But uh, outside of that, everyone else is coming back. We're returning all of our players that took us to nationals last year, uh, and now we have that experience in our back pocket. So we're really excited about the opportunity to hopefully get back to one, if not both, of the nationals we made last year and make some noise. But in order to prepare ourselves for that we've really put together a, a daunting schedule in a, in a positive way. We want to see the big dogs at every single tournament if we can. What's unfortunate last year with COVID is the East teams couldn't really see the West teams because every school put travel restrictions on you of where you could go. Um, so usually we like to go out West and see the Vanderbilts and the Nebraska's and some of the historical powerhouses in NCAA bowling. Uh, but we didn't get to see those schools last year just because we were restricted in travel. And the first time we saw them was at nationals and, not to say that we weren't ready for them. I think, we, I think we're ready for whoever we have to play. But it's certainly an advantage to see those teams all year long before you play them uh, on the biggest stage. And so we're making sure that we're putting together a schedule uh, that's going to be seeing those top dogs uh, most of the time. So when we do get to them at Nationals, it, it won't be the first time we've seen them, that's for sure. So we mentioned COVID, and uh, and we talked to you during COVID last year. Now, what mm-hmm. what things did you change during COVID that you had to change due to the, the restrictions, like you're saying that you're like, you know what, these actually, this actually worked out 
better than I anticipated, and I'm going to incorporate that into our uh, our schedule moving forward, our routine moving forward. Yeah, you know, in the fall semester, we couldn't compete. We couldn't compete to the second semester, so we did kind of like a little team sports shot league to try to keep our competitive juices flowing, and I really liked that. I mean, it really prepared us well, so... I don't know if we could do it the whole entire semester because competition begins in October, but maybe we'll do something, you know, similar to that in the time we have until competition begins. Um, you know, the biggest thing uh, us coaches loved about, you know, the unfortunate situation that was COVID in terms of competition was the, everything was so spread out. We had a all, we had an off pair between every pair because they wanted to spread us out. So, you know, a typical college bowling tournament pre COVID, every single lane is being used in the bowling alley and it's just shoulder to shoulder and no one could breathe. So we got to breathe a little bit this past year. That was nice. Um, granted we had to wear the mask, which is always the most comfortable, but uh, for a good reason. But you know, that, that was nice. But that's something we probably won't be able to keep around, unfortunately, just because, you know, bowling centers, proprietors, you gotta, gotta use all the lanes if you can. Uh, so in terms of things we could control, you know, the sports shot league we incorporated, maybe we'll bring that back. Cause I like the competitiveness that got, but in terms of things we can't control, it was really nice having those dead pairs between uh, competition lanes last year, just to breathe a little on toes of, uh, of the teams competing next to you. And it, it did feel a little bit different as uh, you know Tim and our, you know myself. We both competed in the Open Championships, and having one team on a pair, I mean, it, to, to have your kind of equipment spread out and uh, maybe have, yeah. a, like you said, a little bit of you know a little bit of space around. Uh, I, I wouldn't say I'm claustrophobic. You know, but, you you know, it's easy, it's easy to kind of feel crowded in the, uh, you know, down in the bowlers area in a a collegiate tournament for sure. And even at at the open championships, right? Yeah, absolutely. And that's not even including the parents. We love having our parents. We're excited to get our parents back, but naturally we didn't have spectators either. So not only do we have room side to side, but we have that room front to back where we could just spread out. Uh, We could put our coolers anywhere we want. We could put our equipment right behind our lane. Now it's going to be where the parents are. So, we're excited to get back to it. You know, I, I think I, I think I obviously miss it more than I, than I don't because when you have all those spectators there and everyone's cheering, it just really gets those competitive juices flowing where, you know, there were some tournaments this year where because the tournament field was so small, maybe five or six teams and were so spread out. There's two pairs between each competition. It was just, you could hear a pin drop at any time, you know? Uh, so I'm excited for the opposite of that to be true because it's just going to help motivate us a little bit more. Uh, having having those fans behind us. So we're excited to get back to that. Now, Kenneth, we talk about this, and we're all being very optimistic, and I love your tone. That all being said, it seems like, uh, you know, COVID, it, it hasn't gone away. And, in fact, numbers seem to be going yeah. up in parts of the country. So have tournaments how, – how have uh, – you're talking about the scheduling, and from that perspective, are tournaments putting little asterisks ne- next to each event because – you could still be under the previous, you know, last year's rules or early this, you know, this 2020 rules or 2021 rules versus, you know, have, have, has a lot of things been set in stone yet or is it still a very much wait and see approach? I, I don't know if we could ever know for sure until it comes, but, you know, I'm going to, I'm really knocking on wood right now when I, when I say this, but we have a schedule solidified. Uh, it includes bringing back our tournament in Las Vegas this year. We plan 100% plan on going back to Las Vegas for our, our Storm in Blue and White Vegas Classic. Um, and, and right now we're holding on to that. I mean, our, I can't speak what other schools have done. All I know is our school has made the vaccines mandatory uh, at Mount St. Mary's. So mm. at our school, anyone that's on our team is vaccinated. 
Um, now, you might have some schools, you know, who knows what, what direction this is going to go. If the cases come back up, you might have schools that say, you know, if your team's not fully vaccinated, we can't have you compete. You know, don't know which route that's going to take. You know, that's all above my pay grade. But, you know, we really think and we're optimistic, and I think you have to be, that things are going to be better this year. Uh, we've done our part by getting our vaccines, um, but other schools might have different policies. Uh, we can only control what we what we can. As far as our home tournament and our tournament in Las Vegas, we fully expect those to continue, and we know that our team has the most possible safety we can by, by getting ourselves vaccinated. Uh, but I'm definitely holding my breath that cases do go back down. Um, I know the Delta variant's out there, and it's very serious. So all I can say is, you know, it's hopefully people will get vaccinated, and if, if not, they're being as safe as possible to, to limit the spread. Awesome. Well, great stuff. Well, Kenneth, thank you so much for spending some time with us again uh, today. We definitely, uh, we know you've got a busy summer. A lot of times people think the coaches, you know, they get a summer vacation like the, the student athletes, but we know, we know that's definitely not the case. And you're a busy guy and it's taken a lot of work to kind of get your program in the place uh, that it's at today. So good job and keep up the good work and uh, we'll look forward to chatting with you again. Uh, thank you so much. Looking forward to it.